You are listening to Selfie, produced by China Plus. Hello and welcome to this edition of Selfie. I'm your host Tony Reed. To feed 20% of the world's population with only 7% of the world's arable land is certainly a challenge. But that's what China has been working on for the past 70 years. With a population of 1.4 billion, China faces a tremendous task: how to feed so many mouths. What is the biggest issue for human beings to eat? You can do nothing if the food problem is not solved. According to the white paper, food security in China from the State Council Information Office, back in 1949, when the People's Republic of China was founded, the country's overall grain output was 116 million tons. That number rose five times to nearly 660 million tons in 2018. That's a quarter of global crop yields. Today. China can supply 95% of its domestic grain needs. How did the transformation happen, and how has the world's most populous country managed to feed its people? Our reporter Li Yi explored a remote place called Qixing Farm in northeast China's Heilongjiang Province to find the answer. Li Huaicun is the former chair of the labor union of Qixing Farm. Apart from some wrinkles on his face, you wouldn't be able to tell that he's 77 years old. He looks more energetic, positive, and determined than most people of his age. And more importantly, during the past half century, he has witnessed and been a part of the tremendous transformation of a magic land. Today's Qixing Farm is so amazing that it has the only Internet of Things system in China. 200 monitoring sites are distributed across 1.05 million mu of paddy fields. Remote sensing satellite data are sent to the control platform for the farm. We can monitor the growing conditions of the rice, whether it needs irrigation and whether there are pests. All of this can be monitored in the control room. You might not believe this is a description of a farm in China, which many used to think of as poor and shabby with outdated planting mows. Li Huaicun says even he cannot believe it. Today, Heilongjiang Province produces more grain than anywhere else in China, earning it the name Granary of China. Qixing Farm is known as its ballast stone. Located in the heartland of the fertile Jiangshan Jiang Plain, the farm, which is around 81,000 hectares, has an annual rice output that can feed a medium-sized Chinese city or three million people. But what really makes Qixing Farm special is it owns all the latest machinery and technology that have powered the development of China's agriculture sector. This, however, wasn't always the case. Before becoming the granary of China, the region was known as the Great Northern Wilderness. I arrived at Qixing Farm on March 26, 1966. I will never forget the day. Qixing Farm was established in 1956, but even after 10 years, the farm was still developing at an extremely slow pace, with little investment. Few people were willing to come to the farm. There were few cultivated lands. When we first arrived at the farm, all the roads were made of loess. There wasn't even a gravel road at that time. The roads would become bogs if it rained. 
Li Huaizun came to Qixing Farm in 1966 as one of 1,600 soldiers who answered the call of the Chinese central government to relocate and farm the then wasted land into arable land. When Li Huaizun and his mates arrived, there wasn't really a farm. All they saw was muddy fields with weeds, and they had to start from scratch. The first step is always the hardest, as there were no roads. It was extremely difficult to transport production materials. We had to wait until winter, when the ground froze, so that we could drive trailers on the ice. Once the ground melted, you couldn't even pass over it by boat. The other thing was the lack of machines. There was only one tractor, so it had to work 24 hours a day. The process of reclaiming the Great Northern Wilderness was difficult, but Li Huaizun knew better than anyone how devastating the lack of food was, so how important a task it was. He had been born into a poor family in Yuncheng County of Shandong Province. When he was small, he saw too many people starve to death in his village. The trees were stripped of bark because people ate leaves and bark. People in my village were too weak to walk. Nobody could help move the dead bodies off the street, as they didn't have the strength to do it. Past experience in his childhood made Li Huaizun feel that Qixing Farm was good enough for him, as it offered food made from wheat, which was a pretty rare thing. At that time in China, the only thing people expected of food was that they could get enough to eat. In 1985, Qixing Farm joined a national wave of rural reforms by encouraging farming households to become private contractors of their farmland. The systematic reform motivated farmers to devote more to farming, thus increased effectiveness. But still, a key issue remained to be solved at that time: harvests were now stable. Northeastern China is one of the world's three major fertile black soil regions, making it an ideal place for farming. But Qixing Farm was not really at its best. Li Huaizun remembers only soybeans and wheat were planted on the land, and neither of which had a high yield. The farm used to be a marshland, yet it grew wheat and soybeans, which should be grown in dry fields. Sometimes it rained in the harvest season. The water logging tended to happen, especially in autumn and also in summer, when the farmers reaped wheat. The rain could ruin all the crops that farmers had spent a year planting. If that happened, there was no way farmers could make money. In the 1980s, the farm decided to grow rice to solve the problem. At that time, rice was mainly grown in southern China, which is wetter and warmer than the northeast. Many farmers thought it was a risky solution. How could rice grow in the cold and the dry north? Was it possible? What if it failed? After all, something is better than nothing. The research lasted for years until 1994, when the farm successfully developed large-scale rice breeding in cold regions. It worked out eventually, though the yield of rice was low at the beginning. It grew over time. This major breakthrough unlocked the Qixing Farm's magic path to becoming the ballast stone of the granary of China. 
but the lack of machines was still a drag on production. Most of the hardest work still had to be done by farmers themselves. The story of laborers farming when machines were scarce is not a strange one to Liu Jianguo, a worker at the Great Northern Wilderness Agricultural Machine Center. Like Li Huaizun, his parents were among thousands of people who came to reclaim Qixing Farm. Conditions in my parents' time were hostile. At the time, marshlands that machines could not work on had to be plowed by hand. But things changed. Liu Jianguo says Heilongjiang Province was one of the earliest adopters of agricultural machinery in China. Qixing Farm introduced the German harvesting machines in the 1970s and the tractors from the United States in the 1980s. Now, machines including rice transplanters, harvesters, helicopters, and drones have moved into 98% of Qixing Farm's 1.2 million mu, about 81,000 hectares of farmlands. The whole process from planting to harvesting rice is completed by machines. For example, we use ridges to make ridges in spring. Rice transplanters to drill rice seedlings, agricultural aircraft and drones for crop protection. Harvesting machines are used to reap crops. We also have rotovators to churn up soil and prepare for the next year's planting. Of all the machines that are being used on Qixing Farm, a special rice transplanting machine is one of the biggest contributors of the farm's high yields. Unlike a traditional one, it can fertilize deep in the soil just as it transplants rice seedlings. The two-in-one approach has helped to increase rice use by five percent and reduce eight percent of chemical fertilizer use. Liu Shulin, who is in charge of agricultural machines of Qixing Farm, explains. At the same time as rice seedlings are transplanted, the machine fertilizes about three centimeters next to the seedling and five centimeters deep. In the past, farmers had to spread fertilizers before transplanting seedlings. Now it's totally different. There are now about 1,600 fertilization transplanting machines being used on Qixing Farm, covering more than half of the farm's paddy fields. A notable figure this year is a considerable proportion of homemade machines. In the past, all transplanting machines were made in Japan. This year, we have updated 488 transplanting machines, with more than a third being homemade. This has never happened before. Homemade machines are cheaper and also of good quality. Promoting new machines across farming households who are used to traditional planting modes was a major challenge. Jiang Hao, deputy director of the rice department of Qixing Farm, says farmers tend to be reluctant to pay for expensive machines. For example, when we promoted the fertilization transplanting machine, farmers only cared about the immediate benefits. They thought machines would cost more money. But after they used the machine, they said it was really good because it can save labor costs and increase yields. So the machines were sold quickly in the second year. In 2004, China started to offer subsidies to encourage farmers to buy agricultural machines. 
at the same time, Qixing Farm launched a series of regular training courses so that local farmers could learn about advanced machines and planting skills. Jiang Hao says farmers like to follow in the steps of successful farmers or leading farmers, those who have good farming skills and are open-minded. Each time when there is a new kind of technology, we first conduct experiments at our science park to make sure it's worth promoting. Then we apply it to practical planning on the demonstration production site. During that process, we provide on-site training to local farmers and let leading farmers use the technology. Other farmers are more willing to use it when they see the results. In this way, new technology can be spread and promoted. Qin Yuqiu is one of the leading farmers. And like most farmers who tend to hesitate with new machines and technologies, 50-year-old Qin Yuqiu has always been keen on learning new things. And he's definitely an early bird. It's early September, the busiest time of the year. When we meet Qin Yuqiu, he's busy churning soil in the greenhouse to prepare for next year's farming. He tells us the earlier the better has always been his golden rule. It'll be harvest time in less than 20 days. I'll be very busy then, so I do the work early. If I finish the prep work now, it'll be easier for me in the spring before seeding. My years of farming experience tell me the earlier, the better. You can never get things done if you procrastinate. It seems Qin Yuqiu is always one step ahead of the others. He was born and brought up on Qixing Farm. Following his mother's suggestion, he majored in animal husbandry at a local vocational high school. After graduating from the school, Qin Yuqiu felt he was more interested in machinery than raising livestock. Later, he got a job driving agricultural machines for other farmers. He was only 20. Years later, while most of his peers and farmers were weighing and balancing whether to spend money on machines, Qin Yuqiu had already turned his hand to making money out of machines. In 1994, he bought his first agricultural machine and started to rent it to farming households who didn't have one. It only took him one year to earn the money he'd spent on the machine. Qin Yuqiu tells us that now every household on Qixing Farm owns a whole set of agricultural machines. He believes paying for machines is investing in his land. In the past, he had to hire three or four laborers to help him in busy seasons. A laborer can cost 500 yuan a day. But now, he and his wife can handle almost all the farm work even during the busiest time. I've saved a lot of money in terms of hiring people to transplant rice. Now the costs are normally high and rice sells at a low price. In this case, I barely make any money. So I'd rather not hire laborers if machines can help. You have to try to work it out. Qin Yuqiu started to plant rice in 2005 and he quickly became a specialist. He now owns 167 mu or about 11 hectares of paddy fields. His farm always has the highest rice yields. When we push him on what exactly the number is, he seems a little bit coy. He says he doesn't want to look like he's flaunting. In contrast, Qin Yuqiu is very willing to share his experiences and skills with other farmers. He joined a WeChat group where many farmers ask him about how to grow rice better. He says while he teaches people, he also learns himself.
Sometimes researchers visit my paddy fields and invite me to join their experiments. Farmers also ask me a lot of questions because I'm grassroots. My skills come from practice. Qin Yuqiu attributes his successful farming to being a local, as he knows more about the land. But what's more important is his diligence. When he first began planting rice, he visited old farmers looking for experiences and techniques. He read a lot of books and has never missed a training course. His open mind also contributes to his success. There are always new things and new varieties, such as a new fertilization mode. I'm also learning to save costs and increase efficiency. You can stick to the old mindset, and you can save costs once you combine experience with technology. Qin Yuqiu tells us he's been using a very helpful new app that Qixin Farm has launched. The app offers standard planting processes, reference presses of various materials, and expert consultations. Qin Yuqiu says with this app and modern machinery, he has managed to reduce the cost of his paddy fields down to 1,000 yuan per mu. The app teaches us to compare prices. It shows us what to buy and not to buy, and whether to spend extra money. As long as we follow the instructions, we can reduce costs. With the app, we can spend the minimum amount of money and get the maximum benefit. The app is part of Qixin Farm's latest innovative achievement, an agricultural Internet of Things system. Researchers had spent six years to develop the system before launching it in 2017. It's China's first Internet of Things system in agriculture. The system helps Qixin Farm design customized production measures by monitoring every piece of farmland and collecting relevant data sent by remote sensing satellite. Meng Qingshan, director of the Internet of Things system of Qixin Farm, explains. We installed 20 automatic meteorological stations to collect environmental data such as air temperature and humidity, rainfall, light, and the amount of carbon dioxide. We have 20 detectors to conduct real-time monitoring of underground water. Meantime, there are 200 sites across the farmland to collect soil data. The rice output of Qixin Farm has been the highest in Heilongjiang Province for seven consecutive years. Now, the farm has changed its goal from feeding Chinese people to feeding them well, which is also a national strategy. To achieve that goal, technology is the core element. The Jiansanjiang National Agricultural Science and Technology Park is a little like the CPU of the land. All the Qixin Farm's innovative planting skills, theories, and products are developed and researched here. The science park also works with universities and institutions to transfer academic research results into farming practice. Li Xiaohui, director of the Jiansanjiang National Agricultural Science and Technology Park, says they walked the last mile in agricultural and scientific research. The science park conducts the most basic scientific experiments and research, and solves problems in practice to help build modern agriculture. We are different from universities and research institutions, which focus on sophisticated and advanced technologies. What they develop might be impractical for us. So we solve problems in practical production for farmers. We walk the last mile in agricultural scientific research. In the meantime, the science park is working to make sure scientifically sound practices are effectively communicated to farmers. 
Beyond pursuing high yields, Qixin Farms working on developing new rice varieties with higher quality and a better taste. Li Xiaohui tells us it might take 10 or even 20 years to develop a new variety successfully. Before each rice variety is launched, the process has to be done step by step. There's no shortcuts. From experiments in small areas, large-scale demonstration practices, and then promotion, it has to go like this. If you go too fast, there will be problems. That's also how 37-year-old Li Xiaohui, director of the Jiangsanjiang National Agricultural Science and Technology Park, climbed to his current position, step by step. He started his career as a researcher on Qixing Farm after graduating from the Northeast Agricultural University in 2004. The same year, China launched a national strategy to increase crop use through technological innovation. Later, he went on to pursue his studies and chose to come back to the farm with a master's degree in 2008. Young people are reluctant to work on farms. As an agronomic business major, Li Xiaohui is the only one in his class to choose to work on a farm. To attract more talent, Qixing Farm offers young people like Li Xiaohui high salaries and promising promotion opportunities. And this is also behind why Qixing has become one of the best farms in China. The farm now has a research team with an average age of 30. With young talents and an encouraging scientific research environment, the farm has made a radical change over the past six decades. Li Xiaohui, director of the Jiangsanjiang National Agricultural Science and Technology Park, elaborates. In terms of rice planting, the Jiangsanjiang Plain has made a transformation from traditional agriculture to modern and digital agriculture. And Qixing Farm is the spearhead of digital agriculture. Why have we developed so fast? The answer is that we have understood and applied technology well. Last September, Chinese President Xi Jinping inspected Qixing and encouraged farmers to speed up the development of green agriculture, saying China should always have control over its own food supply. Li Xiaohui, who was there shaking hands with Xi Jinping as a staff representative, says he has been motivated by the words of the president. He says his team has been working on more than 50 scientific projects this year. For me, there will definitely be pressure. But how to transfer pressure into motivation? How to lead my team to make sure China controls its own food supply and prevents black soil from degenerating? We should not just shout slogans, we should do something. Qixing Farm is now working to guarantee sustainable development by promoting organic fertilizer and protect the fertility of the black soil. It also has plans to divert river water to irrigate rice and protect underground water. In the meantime, the Jiangsanjiang Plain, where the Qixing Farm is located, is currently China's research base for experiments on green production technology. It's one of the 30 sites scattered across China which researches different agricultural technologies in accordance with local geographical and agricultural conditions. To allow more people to see what China's modern farming is like, Qixing Farm is developing a series of agriculture-themed tours. Yuan Li, director of the Tourism Bureau of Qixing Farm, says that every year, those who came to build a farm decades ago come back to visit and are always amazed. 
Each July and August, when they come back, they are always touched. Even our colleagues are moved because when these people came to build the farm, the conditions were extremely hostile. They can't stop crying when they see such a change after so many years. Among these people, 77-year-old Li Huaichun, the former chair of the labor union of Qixing Farm, chose to stay. He sees the land as his hometown and hopes his offspring also live there. I never dreamed I could see this. High buildings are everywhere. Farmers had moved into apartments and live a city life. I think life here is better than that in Beijing. I will never leave the place. I live here, work here, and my offspring will also stay here. After Lee retired, the 77-year-old man enjoys writing songs to express his love for the land and to recall his youth devoted to the great northern wilderness. In one of his songs, the lyric goes like this: "We have been transforming the wilderness into granary, building bridges and roads. We are still on our way, and we are still young." For China Plus, this is Lee Yi.